Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Feel His presence, amen? How many know we're in hurricane season? There's tornado seasons and hurricane seasons and allergy seasons and all kinds of seasons, right? Did y'all know that in the Bible there are also seasons for things that God does when he moves? And there's actually seasons for things that have been fulfilled. And we're living in times right now as we're looking around that we're in the season where we know that Jesus could come back anytime. How many realize that tonight? That just as it's hurricane season and tornado season, it's Jesus coming back season. Amen? And uh, we're, we're just uh, looking and watching and waiting. And this is what I want you to understand tonight. This is an interesting thought. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. And this isn't anything new to our church. And it shouldn't be anything new to a Bible-believing church. Uh, I, I, I didn't have plans to say this. But did you know that in the Bible, every 30 verses, if you break down the New Testament, every 30 verses it mentions the return of Christ? If you took all the verses in the New Testament... I had this written down for a future message, and I don't remember the other numbers, but this one is the number I remember. He took all the verses in the New Testament, every 30 verses, it says, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is returning. How many know that's a lot of times? And what we're looking at tonight is that the world doesn't have the eyes that we have as believers. Remember when you were lost and not saved? You didn't have any eternal perspective. You didn't think about eternity. You didn't think about even tomorrow. And now that you're saved, how many know the the lights have come on, the scales have been removed, and now you can see things in the world that the world doesn't see. God gives us spiritual eyes to see. And so I want to talk tonight about a very big key about the times that we're living in. It's one of my favorite keys in the Bible. It's one of my favorite things that Jesus mentions. Someone, someone would say, you know, when, when is Jesus coming back? We're, we're, this is our hope. This is, and listen, I want to say this too. If you ever get tired of talking about Jesus coming back, you must not be saved. Amen? Because it's, it's the best subject we can talk about. Amen? I want to see him. Amen. Sunday I quoted a bunch of songs. There's another one. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Oh, to sing forever of his loving grace. I'm not going to sing the rest, amen? But there's a lot of good old songs that talks about wanting to see him. How many want to see him? Who, see who? The one who died for me. The one who went to the cross for me, amen? The one who laid his life down for me. So I want to talk tonight about as in the days of Noah. Amen? As in the days of Noah. This is one of the biggest keys that Jesus gives us in the Bible when they went to him and said, when will you return? And I was talking to somebody about this this week from Sunday. Someone asking me a question. And I mentioned Sunday how even in the church of Thessalonia, in that time when they were watching for the return of Christ, they thought they had missed the rapture. They thought they had missed the return of Christ. And someone was asking me how... Did they think that? Why did they think that? And we realize today that, that Thessalonia was a distance, let's just say from here to California, away from Jerusalem. And they didn't have TVs, and they didn't have phones, and they didn't have telegrams, and they didn't have all those things to hear. Today we have that. 
But ever since Jesus walked this earth and ascended into heaven, every church age has watched for the return of Christ. It's, been, it's in the scriptures, again, every 30 verses. And here we are in 2021, but if we go back a thousand years, some of our ancestors that were Christians were watching for his return a thousand years ago. 1,500 years ago, 500 years ago, and I know some of us have loved ones who were watching 50 years ago, and they're with the Lord now, amen? But it's always been something we've watched, and, and, and the disciples said, Jesus, how do we know, and I want to show you this tonight how we're, we can know that the return of Christ is near because it says, as in the days of Noah. Now watch this, Matthew chapter 24, it's one of the biggest keys in the Bible, it says verse 32, now learn this parable from the fig tree. Remember that the fig tree is Israel. And I preached about that a couple weeks ago. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is what? Near. And what does it say after that? At the doors. I mean, no, that's close. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows. How many heard that before? But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But watch this. Here's a key. But as in the days, next verse 37, but as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay, pay attention to this. As in the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay, so he refers back to something thousands of years before their time. And they obviously knew the Bible. They knew especially those first five books, the Pentateuch. They knew those five Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They knew the Torah. They knew those verses. And he says, as in the days of Noah, so will the son of coming of the Son of Man be. Now watch 38. Here, what were the days like? For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Notice there that it says until the day that Noah entered the ark. That shows us that the rapture of the church and the return of Christ is going to come in a sudden day when people least expect it. And everything is going to be normal in the sense of our daily lives. How many know nothing is normal in, in our eyes of a global scheme right now with all the things we're talking about? We understand that it's, it's, it's alert, alert, alert all over the place because we understand Scripture and because we're talking about these things. But to the world, it's just life is normal. People are getting married. People are planning weddings. We have people in our church planning weddings. People are eating and drinking. What this is going on to say is life is normal. Life is normal, okay? How many are understanding that? If you know the scriptures, we know that during the time of the seven-year tribulation, life will not be normal at all. Because normal today for us is 
you know, all hundreds of countries, and everybody has a president, and, 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 and there's a you know, system in each, each country, and there's a democracy in a lot of countries, and, and people travel from all over the place, and that's normal. But how many know in the tribulation, as we talked about the last few weeks, there will be no normality because there will be one person running the whole world. And everything that somebody does will have to go through that, that, that government, which will be ran by the Antichrist. And so we see here that this is a key because he's saying, before I come, things will be fairly normal is what I'm trying to get you to understand. This is the key. We're in those days right now. But watch this. And did not know, verse 9, sorry, 39, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. See, tonight we're looking, hopefully, as a church, and that's why I'm preaching this, but how many know the world is not looking? The world's not looking for the return of Jesus. The world is not looking for what we're looking for. They're, they're looking to figure out what they're going to do the next day, or they're looking how they can get their next fix, or they're looking how they can buy their next house, or whatever it is, but they're not looking for the return of Christ. It's the same way now as it was in the days of Noah, as he was building that ark, and people were today like they make fun of us. Oh, you guys believe that Jesus is coming back? You believe that old ancient book? You believe that old story? People have been saying that forever. That's what they were doing in the days of Noah. He's over there building an ark, and they're making fun of him, and they're, and they're laughing, and they're carrying on and living life. And this is what it says it's going to be until the flood came and took them all the way. Now watch verse 40. How many are still here? Amen. Two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and the other left. Watch. Tell the person next to you, watch. Now watch means this. Be continually watching now. That's what watch means. Be continually watching now. You know, it was interesting. We were singing that song, and it was talking about the return of Christ, and it said, I'll be ready on the dawn of that day. That means we wake up in the morning ready to watch for Jesus' return. We wake up this morning, I hope, and we wake up tomorrow morning and Friday morning and every day and we say, Lord, today could be the day and I'm watching and I'm watching continually now. So it says, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour that your Lord is coming. Notice it says the hour. We don't know the hour, but we know the season. How many know when a tornado hits? They know it's tornado season. They know a tornado's coming, but it doesn't, you don't know exactly. You can board up the house, you can get prepared for it, but when it comes and hits, it hits in different places. That hurricane that's ravaging Louisiana, that's hit Florida, that's hit all the way up the East Coast, they know it's coming, but they don't know exactly when. They know the day maybe, but they don't know the hour. But it hits. And they have to be prepared for it. And watch what it says here. In verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have what? Watched. 
and not allowed his house to be broken into. What he's saying there is a Christian is not going to be taken by surprise when Jesus comes back. A Christian is not going to be off guard. A Christian is not going to be, watch this, doing things that a Christian shouldn't be doing. Living in a way that a Christian shouldn't be living. He's saying that, that, that believer is going to be watching, and, and he's saying it in a negative connotation of the thief coming in, but for a believer, it's not a thief. For a believer, it's our King and our Lord coming back for us. But he's given the example of a people that will not be ready for him and will not be watching. And he says, therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So we do see that, that we don't know exactly the hour, but Jesus is saying that it will be like in the days of Noah. Now let's go quickly back to the book of Genesis chapter 6 and watch this parallel. Shows just a few verses here to read. Genesis chapter 6. Remember that the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament. The, the Old Testament is the New Testament what? Concealed? I got it backwards. Hold on a second. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, and the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Okay, so the old is showing to the new, the new is revealing the old. And so these parallel, that's why Jesus mentioned, and listen, if you ever hear somebody say, oh, that Old Testament, get away from them. Jesus, everything Jesus is, has to do with the old, he is the Old Testament in the flesh. He came to fulfill everything they spoke about. So don't look at that book as some old ancient book. It's life. It's, 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 it's words that will change your life. So he, he quotes Genesis, and he goes all the way back to the beginning. And he says, verse 5 of Genesis 6, Then the Lord, now watch this, as in the days of Noah, the Lord saw the wickedness of man, and it was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. How many know that's the day we're living in right now? And the Lord was sorry he made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man who I'm created off the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping, and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But watch this. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is an interesting word. Because they didn't really understand grace in the Old Testament like we understand it today. But look at the futuristic wording of this scripture here. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When, when Jesus comes back for his church and we're watching and ready and we go in the rapture, it's going to be because of his grace. Totally 100% because of his grace. None of us are going to deserve to be ready. None of us are, would be ready if it wasn't for His grace. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, Noah pleases God. How many want to be God-pleasers? So he goes on in verse 9 to say, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. This sounds familiar to what we talked about with Enoch. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now watch this, verse 11. And the earth was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. 
Notice as we're reading that this, this is what Jesus is paralleling the return of Christ to in the world we live in today. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt and all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Now move over to Genesis chapter 7. I'm going to look at two verses here, verses 13 and 16. Now watch this. On the very same day, the Bible calls this the day of the Lord. It says, on the same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. Now watch 13 or 16. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded it, and this is the key, and the Lord shut him in. This is a picture of the rapture. This is a picture of protection during the rapture. We're going to be shut in in heaven during the tribulation. We're going to be in it with God. We're going to be away from all the problems. And we're going to be protected while, while the, the wrath and judgment of God comes on the earth. What happened after they were shut in? What happened after the door shut? The flood came. And all these people began to want to get in the boat. But there was only one door to get into. And that door shut. And once the door was shut, no one else could get in. And we are in a time right now, church, where we have to get in, and that door is Jesus. He's the door. He's the ark. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is salvation. And our hope and our faith is in Him. And we get in the boat. We get in the ark. We go through the door. And we're protected. And we have to do that now because once the door's shut, no one can come in. You can imagine as... Now this is a very important point. Has anybody ever seen the rapture before? Anybody? I'm not talking about a video. Has anybody ever experienced the rapture? Been in a rapture? No, of course not. It's a very interesting parallel to the days of Noah. I don't remember a bunch of years ago if this was something the Lord showed me or if I read it or heard it. I don't remember, but this is an amazing thought. When the, rap, when the flood happened, which is a parallel to the rapture, and Noah was ready and he was shut in, the reason people didn't believe is because they said there was going to be a flood on the earth. And what had the people never seen before? Never seen rain. They had never seen rain come from the sky. And so just as people have never seen rain, this world has never seen the rapture. And just as people didn't believe that the rain was going to come down and flood the earth, people don't believe today, especially people that aren't in church, and I would say some people even in church, don't believe that Jesus is going to come, and just like they didn't believe in the rain, they don't believe in the return of Jesus Christ. Even though it's mentioned every 30 verses in the New Testament. So the Lord shut him in. Now I want you to, if you're taking notes, four, four key points. I usually don't do a lot of points, but I, I, this is good. This is important tonight. Four things that reveal the world that was being lived in Noah compared to the world today that shows that we're in the days of Noah. Number one, we already read it. The world was wicked, corrupt, and violent. How many know we live in a world that's wicked, 
corrupt, and violent. You know, it's crazy for any of us who are a little bit older. We're more surprised than you young people because you haven't seen it yet. We're, we're blown away in our age to see the corruption of our own government. You know, you live in a country where we, we, you almost thought, you almost begin to believe that you've believed a lie your whole life. The way things are in this world today. Can't trust anybody. Corruption is like never seen before, but it, was, it has been seen before, as in the days of Noah. It was wicked, it was corrupt, and it was violent. Number two, the world, this is very key, the world was ignorant to what was about to happen. Just like today. The world was not watching. The world was not listening. Noah preached. Noah went out to the square. Noah said, I'm building an ark. There's a flood coming. You can get in this boat with me. There's plenty of room. Come on in. And he kept asking and preaching and telling. And guess what? They were ignorant to what was going to happen until it happened. I said a few weeks ago, people are going to be banging down the do doors of the church once the rapture happens. They're going to be looking. They're going to be watching. But, but once it happens, it's too late. You've missed it. If you miss the rapture, then that's a whole other story. We've been talking about that. So the world was ignorant of what was about to happen. That verse we read earlier says that the, that the uh, flood began to come, and they were not looking for it. They were not ready. So again, we see right now the picture of, of, of then, eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, very normal life in the sense of everyday stuff going on in the world. That's the way it was. And all of a sudden, bam, the flood came. And when it came, it came out of nowhere. Remember that before the rain came down from heaven in that flood, water had never come from the sky. When, the, when water would come to water the earth, it came from the ground. They had never seen water come from the sky. So they were blown away and literally blown away. That flood came down and killed everybody, so they were ignorant of it. Doesn't the Bible tell us, brethren, don't be ignorant about these things? This should not catch you off guard. This is not something that should catch you by surprise. Now here's number three. Number one is the world was wicked, corrupt, and violent. Number two is the world was ignorant about what was about to happen. But Noah and his family were not. Amen. Noah and his family knew what was going to happen. Church, we know what's going on right now. We have this Bible, the manual. We have a pastor preaching to us. We have the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We have the, the Word of God living in us. We have Jesus already died for us. So we know, what, we know what's going to happen just like Noah did. How many know that Noah, although he had to have a lot of faith, had an assurance in his heart that what he was doing was the right thing? How many know right now we have to have faith to believe that Jesus is going to come get us? It's faith. It's faith. Just like Noah had to have faith every time he took that hammer and beat a nail into the, into the wood to build that ark. For a long time. It took him a long time. But he had to believe. He had an assurance in his spirit that what God said, he was going to fulfill. So 1 Thessalonians, watch this, chapter 5. So Noah and his family knew what would happen. We know what's going to happen. 
And here we go. But, but you, brethren, are not in darkness. So that this day, notice that we've said day several times. Remember it said that they went in on that day to the ark? So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Amen? How many know that's, that, leave that up there for a second. This is what we, where we need to be at right now. Because Noah and his family knew what was going to happen. And this, and this is an important thing to think about. Noah was living his life, dads especially and husbands, was living his life in such a way that his wife followed him onto that ark. And he was living in such a way, and I've talked about this many times on Father's Day, that he was living in such a way that not only did his wife follow him onto that boat, but his sons and their wives did as well. That's, that's what we should all want. We want all of our families to get saved. We want all of our families to, cook, to go up in the rapture with us. We don't want anybody left behind. We need to be vigilant about preaching and talking to our family members and showing them these current events, sharing these messages with them. It's going to be hard for you to explain all this. Amen? Let us not sleep as others do, as ignorant people do. But let us watch and be sober. Be alert. Amen? How many know, as you begin to talk about all this stuff in the Bible, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff to talk about. Stuff that really matters. And it's hard to explain all this stuff to somebody. So you can take your phone, and while you can still use it, you can share the podcast. You can share our live stream. You can tell somebody, go watch this. You, and it'll explain things that you maybe not can't explain yourself. And how many know that they're going to listen to somebody else before they listen to you anyways? Right? That's how life is. You can tell someone about something all day long, and then someone else will come along and tell them the same thing, and they'll, oh, yeah, that's right. So let somebody else tell them. But share it. Be thinking about your families. You know, I was thinking about this today. I've never, I don't think I've ever mentioned this. I'm sure people have done it. I've done it myself, actually, but I'm sure, I've never really said it from the pulpit. You know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be preparing a letter for our families. Do you really believe Jesus is coming? Wow, this section doesn't over here. Everybody's like, stuck on the letter part. Some of you are like, I don't even know what a letter is. Let me rephrase that. We should be preparing an email, or we should be preparing a text, or we should be preparing an Instagram post. <laughs> Amen. No, here's why we have to do a letter. You can, you can print it out on your computer. Remember, we talked about Sunday, there will be no passing of emails. And, but this, I was joking about that, but this is serious. You leave a last will and testament when you die if you're smart. So you don't want people fighting over your stuff. If you really believe the rapture is going to happen, why wouldn't you want to leave some stuff in your house? Why wouldn't you want to leave some stuff at your workplace? So when it happens, people will know where you went. And people can get saved. 
Boy, it got quiet in here. Is that weird? Write stuff in your Bible. Get to where you've got stuff in your house that, because like I said Sunday, if when the rapture, not if, when the rapture happens, they can have everything in my house. And you should have stuff written out where they can find it. Put it in drawers, because listen, they're going to be looking. They're going to be looking for food. They're going to be looking for escape. They're going to be looking for all. You might not have a lot, but whatever you have, say you can have it. But you can tell them what happened because the media is going to tell them something else. And you can tell them what happened. And you can even say in that letter, I'll even help you prepare it. I'll put it together and help you prepare it. But you need to start thinking about these things because just like when you die, you leave a last will and testament. We need to leave something behind that when people find it, they can get saved. We want people to get saved. Your family members may not believe you now, but they'll believe it when, it's, when it really happens. Amen? Noah couldn't leave a letter to anybody. But I bet he would have if he could have. And the last one is this. It's the most important one. Noah and his family were saved. Thank you for that one lowly amen. How many know salvation is good? So we see that there were, the world was wicked. Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, the world was wicked, it was corrupt, it was violent. The world was ignorant of what was about to happen just like they are right now. And again, unfortunately, some, some, some churches are even ignorant about what's about to happen. You know, Brian gave the prayer and offering tonight. His testimony is he got saved and came into this church and gave his life to the Lord because he had never even heard of the rapture. In his life. He was raised in, in the Episcopal church and never even heard it. But it doesn't matter if it's Episcopal or Methodist or Frozen Chosen. doesn't matter what it is. Whatever denomination it is, many people have never even heard about it. So we should be thankful that we're in a church that preaches the whole Bible. And that we're watching and looking for something tonight, amen, that some people don't even know about because people don't want to talk about it. But isn't it smart to talk about something that's mentioned every 30 verses? I mean, we're not talking about some some scheme to get rich here. We're talking about being ready for something that's been talked about since Genesis. So, so we need to understand that we're going to be saved from this. But the world's ignorant of it. But Noah and his family were not ignorant of it. They were ready. And they stepped into that boat that day and were saved. So Noah and his family were saved. Now this is important. It was not luck that Noah and his family were saved. Nobody's going to go in the rapture by luck. No one's going to go to heaven accidentally. No one's going to go to hell accidentally. People are going to be in hell because they want to and they choose to. People are going to be in heaven because they want to and they choose to be. Hello? That's the truth. Because when we have two places we can go, there is no purgatory. There is no middle ground. You don't get the choice of C, A, B, C, and you say, well, I just want to die and the lights turn out. God didn't give us that option. We can go to heaven or we can go to hell. I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. I'm not super smart, but I'm pretty smart in that area. He saved them. Why? Because the Bible says that Noah found favor with God. He was a blameless person, a man who walked, watch this, in close fellowship with God. How can I be ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Walking in close fellowship with God. Amen? As the musicians begin to come, here's the last verse. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Noah and his family were saved. 
Here's a promise. How many like promises? Right, before I read this, you can go ahead and leave it up. I want to remind you, in the book of Revelation, I haven't said this particular thing for a while. Remember, it's 22 chapters. The first three chapters are talking to seven churches, which are symbolic of all the churches in the Bible. Okay? Y'all with me? First three chapters is the Spirit of the Lord talking to the churches, seven churches. And here's an interesting thing. This is a whole other message. But five of those seven churches were not in good standing with God. Churches. Five of the seven, he said, I got this problem with you. Two were ready. How many want to be those two tonight? That church that's ready. And in that the first three chapters, he admonishes them. He says, look, this is something you've got to work on. You Go read that. You've got to deal with this. You're lukewarm. You've lost your first love. You've got, you allow the spirit of Jezebel. There's all these different things he's dealing with these, with these churches. And then in chapter 4, okay, so you see church, 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 over and over again for the first three chapters. Chapter 4, the very first verse the Bible says the Spirit says that he was caught up to heaven. That's the picture of the church being caught up in the rapture. And then 4 and 5 unfolds what's going to be the futuristic for us, Bema seat and all those different things. And then verse chapter 6 through 19 for the next 13 chapters, there's no mention of the church. Why? Because we're not here. We're gone. We're in, the rap, we're, in the, we're in heaven with God. And that's why we believe in the rapture because the rest of those chapters do not mention the word church again. Why would the church stop being mentioned? It turns into the word saints because the people who get saved in the, in the tribulation are going to be called tribulation saints. Actually, the actual, actual wording, tribulation saints. And how many know they're going to be the ones that are going to be beheaded for their faith? Well, why am I saying all this? Because this is the key. We're going to be saved. Those who are watching and sober. And he says, because you have kept my command to persevere. Watch what he says. Watch this promise. I also will keep you from the hour of trial. That's the tribulation. If you don't get excited about anything else, I don't, I don't care if you stand up and do jumping jacks, but you better get excited in your spirit. He says, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon some parts of the earth. The whole world. To test those who dwell on the earth. So the testing is coming. That seven-year tribulation period. That seven-year plan of Jesus' judgment on the earth. And as we talked about before, his all-out wrath. It's not God's intention for his people to be here for that. Think about this. Pay attention to me tonight. Think about this. Out of seven, sorry, 6,000 years that this earth has existed. 6,000 years. Literal 6,000 years. God chose one seven-year period, literal seven-year period, not metaphorical, literal, to test the world, to test the earth, to deal with an unbelieving, mocking, blaspheming, hating, 
hating God world. And he says he's going he's gonna to keep us from that because we've kept the faith. I mean, no, that's enough to sleep with peace tonight. He says, I will keep you. I mean, no, God says something. He's a God who keeps his promises. I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. How many are thankful for that tonight? Noah and his family were saved. Father, we thank you for salvation tonight that comes by nothing more and nothing less than the precious blood of Jesus. By nothing more and nothing less than faith in what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago as you came and died for humanity. Lord, we are living in the last quarter with just seconds to go. We've been talking about this for years. Time is short. You said in your word, one day is as a thousand years and, as a, thousand, and a thousand years is as one day. So Lord, for us, it seems like it's been a long time, but for you, it's nothing because for one, you're outside of time. But two, Lord God, we don't understand the concept of time, but now, tonight, we realize in our short life, we're living in the times of the days as of Noah, where corruption and wickedness is around the world, and the fig tree Israel has come to life, and we know we're living in these days. We don't know the exact day, we don't know the exact hour, but we know we're in the season, just like the tornadoes, just like the hurricanes. And Lord, tonight we can be ready and you want us to be ready and you expect us to be ready. As the world is ignorant of this, we are not because you have given us your word to be sober and to watch. Tonight, church, make the decision in your heart. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to be watching. I'm going to wake up Friday morning and I'm going to be watching. Every day, I'm not going to allow the, the weight of this world or the cares of this world to get my mind on other things. I'm going to stay focused. Yes, I have to go to work. Yes, I have to go to school. Yes, I have to occupy till he comes. But I'm watching. I'm living my life in a holy way. I'm guarding myself. I'm shielding myself from the things of the enemy. I'm renewing my mind every day. Transforming my mind to the things of God. And not allowing the world to weigh on me till I lose faith. How many tonight in this place or watching online could say, I don't know Jesus. I'm not saved. Or even greater than that, I don't have fellowship and communion and, and I don't walk with God. Because church, remember the Bible says that in that day, many will say, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. Didn't we, pray, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we lay our hands on the sick? And he'll say, I never knew you. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's a heartfelt decision, a belief from your heart that Jesus is who he says he is. How many tonight say, I'm not ready for the rapture. I'm not ready for the return of Christ. I'm not ready to die tonight. If I breathe my last breath, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. Just lift up your hand and say, pray for me tonight all across this place. That's me. That's me. You're watching online. 
I need prayer tonight. We're going to pray with you in just a minute. We're going to say the sinner's prayer. We're believing it in our heart tonight. We're trusting his word tonight. We're not trusting, church, listen, we're not trusting what a man says. We're trusting what the word of God says. His plan is perfect. His salvation is real. And we're living in a world where we need to put our faith in him more than ever before. We need to watch and pray because he will keep us from that hour of temptation. He will keep us from that hour of trial. Tonight, as we stand to our feet all across this place, I want us to say a prayer. I want those watching online, maybe in another state or even another country or listening on the podcast, I want you to have the opportunity with us tonight to be saved, to be born again. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That that thief on the cross looked over at Jesus and said, remember me today. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Look at that word, today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You might not understand everything. Some things might be, as the Bible says, a mystery to you. But don't go to hell over a mystery. One thing you can know for sure is that God came down from heaven and took your place so you could be saved. He died on the cross for you. I want you to say this prayer with me tonight. Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength that you are the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I fall short of your glory. Jesus, forgive me for all my sins. Remember me tonight. Wash me clean from all my sins. I put all my faith in what you did on the cross to take my place. And not only did you die, but you rose from the dead so that I could be resurrected and spend eternity with you. I believe that. Come into my life. Take over my heart. I open up the doors to you tonight. Please write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.